everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm used to hearing, and I'm Brie, but Brie will not be joining us today. Unfortunately, she's having some Texas power issues, <laughs> but I am being joined by Aaron. So do you want to say hello, Aaron? Hello. Thank you for allowing me back. Yes, he's my... Uh, my uh, my wingman for for this episode today and we are being joined by author tanya Ag- agler am i saying that right i apologize oh, um that's good and- i I've, i always say that i prefer it spelled right to <laughs> i i answer to anything except late for dinner so <laughs> but thank you so much for having me and i hope that Bree's power comes on quickly again i hope so too Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us how your 2021 is going and how are you taking care of yourself this year? My 2021 has actually been much better. Um, my son, older son, um, graduated from high school in the fall and in, in the spring and started college. So we were very happy that we were able to see his graduation because my daughter, we were unable to see her graduation last year. So we're oh, very great. happy that we got to see him graduate, and now my twins have are back in school and they've started middle school. So it's an exciting 2021 for us, and two books coming out. And oh. I'm just thankful that this year has been a better year for us. I agree. I agree. It's wonderful. Yeah. And self care. Recently, we went um, canoeing on the Chastity River, which is a uh, river in North Georgia, and it. It was so wonderful to just reconnect with nature and and be out. We were, um, my son and I were in one kayak and my daughter was with my husband in the other kayak. And we were the only four people on the river that day. And it was an absolutely gorgeous day. So getting out back out into nature and and Mm -hmm. being able to just enjoy the the fresh air and, and get outside, that's been one way that I've found to um, take, do some self-care in 2021. Oh, that's awesome. Do you want to get into some icebreakers, Aaron? Yeah. If you came with a warning label, what would it say? I think it would have to be love me, love my dog. <laughs> um, I'm a dog person, diehard dog person. Um, I absolutely just, um, love having animals around and, and we've, Last fall, we adopt rescued a, a beagle, and he mm-hmm. sort of, it's one of those stories that I always say that our, our dogs actually rescue us as well. So that's always a, I just, dogs just make, make the house and mm-hmm. a home a little bit more wherever I am. I always say that about pets, that, that you don't pick them, they pick you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> very true. Very true in my own it's, experience. It's like he knew instantly. Mm-hmm. He's like, and he jumped right in the car. I mean, yeah. <laughs> does. No, oh, James. <laughs> I do see on Twitter that you you talk about him quite a bit, so I I get quite a bit of enjoyment out of out of reading about uh, about your beagle. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah, I I've never heard of a vet calling a dog a character before, and and so my husband and I were were googling. When your vet calls a dog your dog a character, is that like code word for yikes? They have a real winner here. 
What is one of your guiltless pleasures? Probably classic movies. I mm -hmm. can, um, I don't know if that would qualify as a guiltless pleasure, but I can turn on a classic movie anytime, anywhere, and just get lost for a couple of hours just watching um, old black and white movies. I, I love them all. As far as entertainment, I've got food, you know, food, other things as well. But I think classic movies are my biggest guiltless pleasure. Do you have a favorite that's like a go-to? I think my go-to movie is, um, it's an old movie called Sullivan's Travels. It's, um, it was directed by Preston Sturgis and stars Joel McRae and Veronica Lake. Mm -hmm. And it's all about a writer a director who writes his own movies and and he wants to to make a movie based on this book called Oh Brother Where Art Thou which is I think the Coen brothers ended up uh naming Oh Brother Where Art Thou because of that. Oh okay. And Interesting. He he the the studio doesn't want him. He he he's made uh come they they want him to continue on the track he's going and he's like okay it'll be great but you know and they're like Oh, as long you can do it, but as long as it has a little sex in it, and he's like, <laughs> "No, I want to make a documentary about the American person and and what it's like to live in tough times." And they're like, "Okay, but as long as it has a little sex in it," <laughs> and he's like, "It's it's gonna be the American dream, and and I'm gonna be a hobo, and I'm gonna I'm gonna." walk everywhere and get to know people and it's going to be the great american dream and they're like that's fine as long as there's a little sex in it so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's all about him going from place to place and and discovering his voice which mm. i think that might be one reason i love it so much but nice. yeah that's my go-to classic movie the actors had to have so much more gravitas to to them to make those movies have have the entertainment effect, you know, without the, uh, the the flash and and shine that you have today on on all the films. Yeah, I think um, the old one liner about you know you know dying is easy, comedy is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, good good comedy is just it's it's worth its its weight because it's so hard to to pull that off, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, screwball comedies and just comedies in central. I just love, love, love anything with any type of romantic comedy. Mm. What is one of the best purchases you've treated yourself to this year? Well, we're hoping to get it soon. We we um, actually went to a furniture store to replace some old furniture, and we found the world's comfiest couch. Mm. And we were not intending to buy a couch, but I said I sat in it, and I'm like, "Oh, I, I told my husband, oh, you've got to come sit in this." And he's like, "Oh, no, we have a couch." I'm like, "You just need to come sit in this couch," and he's like, "Oh my gosh, this is the world's most comfortable couch." And I said, <laughs> "I know, isn't it?" And he's like. And we'd be able to put our whole family in it. We wouldn't only have to be have five in a room at one time. I'm like, I know what it'd be great. <laughs> and so, but because the delays were, were um, they originally thought we would be getting it in August. 
and then they called and said September, and then they called and said December. Oh no. So we're like, hey, it's okay. It's the world's most comfiest couch. I can wait for the world's most comfiest couch. <laughs> it's worth the wait. Yeah. That's right. Name a favorite book from your childhood. I was a huge Trixie Belden fan. Mm. I loved cozy mysteries. And I, I actually, though, wanted to be Honey Wheeler, who was her best friend. But Trixie Belden was my childhood favorite. Mm-hmm. And then I loved anything with animals too. There was this, mm-hmm. this really sad book called Scruffy that was all about a, a rescue animal. And I, oh. I really remember that one, but um, Trixie Belden. And then I found Anne of Green Gables mm. and Anne is my go-to <laughs> book for, you know, quotes, you know, uh, I'm a huge, you know, ha- you know, looking out for kindred spirits. And mm-hmm. uh, so Trixie Belden and Anne of Green Gables were my two big childhood, earlier childhood and, and older childhood. There's a public school not far from me. That's the Lucy Maud Montgomery Public School. We were so, in, in 2020, that was going to be our vacation. Oh. We were going to go to Prince Edward Island. Yes. And we started showing the kids the Megan Follows, Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. And we had it all planned out, and now we're hoping for <laughs> either 2022 or 2023. <laughs> it's on my bucket list as well to go over there. It's beautiful, yeah. I've heard. Ebook, audiobook, physical copy. What's your preference? My preference is physical copy, but I have. I'm very fortunate that I can read a my my. Um, electronic reader while I'm walking on a treadmill mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I can actually get like read for about an uh, that that helps me read for an extra hour if I can somehow walk on a treadmill and read whatever I'm reading on Kindle but there's nothing for me it's the feel of the book the smell yeah. of the book mm-hmm. the having I, I always no matter what, though, I always have something with me. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I've gotten through several long grocery store lines. And people are like, oh, I'm like, I, I'm reading. I'm happy. I'm good. <laughs> Take your time. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm at the end of a chapter. So, yeah, I, I just, it, it's more like I, I love to read anywhere. But a phys, uh, physical book is my preference. Mm-hmm. And last one, name one of your favorite Cary Grant movies. <laughs> you have been reading my Twitter feed. I think The Awful Truth is probably one of my favorite. It's one of his earlier ones before he became Cary Grant. It, it has a little bit more of the a, a boyish Cary Grant in it. Um, in that movie, he and um, Irene Dunn are a pair of recently divorced ex-husband and wife who they still see each other because they're fighting over the custody of their dog who's played by Asta and um, so it's all about how and, and that's how for a long time the extra man in a movie was called Ralph Bellamy because Ralph Bellamy was for a long time was always the third wheel who was always going out with the the heroine of the movie and so Irene Dunn and Cary Grant go through a lot of 
of ups and downs to earn their HEA in that movie. Oh, excellent. I've taken notes of all the movies you've mentioned. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, the thing is, is it changes weekly. I, I'm such, oh, yeah. a, I, I love Cary Grant. And um, actually, that's how, when I was in ninth grade, um, my mom was, we were, I was supposed to be cleaning the house. And my mom was like, but, but Tanya, it's time to get back to work. Oh, not now. I, I have to finish watching this movie. Well, what are you watching? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and it turned out, um, I, I, I turned on the TV and there was his, the movie that he was in, uh, I was watching Topper, which is a very, also another early Cary Grant movie where he and Constance Bennett play a pair of ghosts. And okay. so I started, that was my first introduction to classic movies so I could get out of housework. <laughs> <laughs> So we love to hear romance origin stories. How did you become a romance reader? Well, my, my grand, I actually, this is probably one of those things that legally could get my, get me in trouble. But I, I was a teenager. I, I was very young at the time, but my grandmother worked at GC Murphy's, which was sort of like a comparable to a Walmart or a Target. It was, mm -hmm. and she was the souvenir buyer. So once a month she would bring home all the books that, they were unable to sell and they were Harlequin books. Mm -hmm. And so I started, I was about 12 when I started reading anything she brought home because I was a voracious reader and YA hadn't really taken off. Um, I do remember a couple years after that Sweet Valley High became very popular, mm -hmm. but I just love, love, love. There were all sorts of stories from they had a teen line at the time, there were small town, and then she would take me to used bookstores and there would be these baskets of 10 for a dollar. And so I grew up with Ann Mather and Charlotte Lamb reading about all these exotic locations <laughs> for books. And that was how I first started reading romance. And then when I went to college, there weren't, there weren't a whole lot of fiction books at my school's library, but I, I went back to the first time I went to the library in a while. Um, I checked out Jude Devereaux, A Knight in Shining Armor, and read that and was instantly hooked back into romance. And then my the, the last bit of the story. So I, I just love category romance, though, and I've always loved Harlequin and and at the time, there was also Steeple Hill. And what they did was if you subscribed to their monthly service, you would get a glass. So it, I, we were, my husband and I were up to like four of these green goblets before he started going, why every month are we getting all of a sudden more and more of these green goblets? And I was like, well, I, I've been subscribing to a reader service and, and they, they send us these beautiful glasses. Aren't they wonderful? And now every Thanksgiving, we have a complete set. So they always <laughs> go out on our Thanksgiving dinner um, I love table. It. Has writing always been a passion of yours? I have in my basement, I have the notebooks from when I was a teenager so I have everything from the prom story where, you know, the ugly duckling gets mm. asked out to the prom and uh, sort of, or, you know, with the Pygmalion twist where she's actually teaches him a lot of 
things too. And then I also, because my mom was really into Jackie Collins and Sidney Sheldon, and I was allowed to read anything. So I also have these these notebooks where I would start listing characters and trying to research actresses' lives as they would be around the globe and all of that. So I, I have, <laughs> I, um, so that's how I've always sort of ha- imagined stories, but I'm, I'm sort of more of the um, George McFly where I was really scared for a long time mm-hmm. to start writing. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until my, I, while I always wanted to write and always wanted to get the stories in my head on paper, I never really had the courage to try to put my words on paper. Mm-hmm. And then when my oldest was starting elementary school, I'm like, well, this is the time that I'm I'm really going to start doing it. So I would start going to the library um, every day that she was in school and, and writing. And took me about a month or two to tell my husband I'm, I'm going to the library and I'm, I'm writing a book because that's what I want to do. And he's like, mm-hmm. what took you so long? <laughs> all along, I'm like, I wish someone had told me. But um, <laughs> then we had our twins. And after that, that was when I really, though, said, I'm going to buckle down. I found some wonderful writing organizations and mm-hmm there was a Harlequin author who gave me my very first critique. And that was when I knew that there was a lot more that I hadn't done when I was going to the library every day. But um, I was just by then hooked, but she really taught me that, um, that there's a lot to learn about the publishing industry Mm -hmm. and and not a, a lot, but there are things that you can gradually learn about the, the craft of writing, the publishing industry, and that there was more than just sitting in a library by yourself and writing. You needed to um, show your writing to other people as well. So was she the person who kind of pushed you to start trying to write professionally? My my husband actually is the one who helped, can you know, gave me the confidence to write. Mm-hmm. But then going to this, the romance writers group, um, she was ac- definitely one of the people who pushed me into knowing because at one point she said, well, is this single title or series? And I said, since I, I thought that since I, it wasn't going to be part of series, I just said, well, it's a single title. It, mm-hmm. I, I don't have any sequels or anything. Cause I didn't know that there was a difference between writers who were trying to get into category lines versus writers who write longer, um, and, and both are very needed. And, and I love both types, but at the time I, I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. So she was just so gracious. And, and she, I think the fact that she put some smiley faces and some LOLs, um, (laughs) but she's like, yeah, you might not want to have your heroine throw up on page two. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule, but that might turn some editors and agents off. But um, I always tease her that she, because she's one of my favorite, favorite people and one of my favorite writers. 
I, I, I'm like, I, I think you must have expected after you gave me that critique for me to go running off into the night and never, ever <laughs> come back. But um, yeah, she, though, was definitely ha- instrumental in just helping me realize how much writers can help other writers and how supportive of a, of a community it is. And but that I also really needed to get serious about learning from others, showing my writing to others, and learning about different category lines and and going more in depth. So Mm -hmm. I definitely have her to thank for that. It is scary, you know, putting yourself out there and then and then leaving yourself open to to critique Mm -hmm. on on these things that you know, are so special to you as a person, you know, you, you created them. <laughs> Definitely something I can, I can empathize with. <laughs> Your first series with Harlequin Heartwarming was the Hollydale Heroines series. And now we have the Single Dads Holiday Match, which is book one in your Smoky Mountain First Responder series, which also takes place in Hollydale. What inspired the choice to return to the small town of Hollydale? Actually, when I first started researching The Sheriff's Second Chance, which was my debut novel for Harlequin, um, and I started writing The Town of Hollydale, I was researching what it was like to work in a small town police department. And that was actually my very first time that I, I met Jonathan Maxwell, because he didn't originally come from Hollydale at the time and so I knew though when he popped into my mind when I was writing that that I really 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 wanted to write his story but at the time the first three books all centered around these the the heroines who uh, took Georgie's car care class in the sheriff's second chance but I really wanted Jonathan to have his own story. And then when I was also writing The Soldier's Unexpected Family, Bex and her husband divorced. And that's when I also knew that I wanted to complete the Harrison sibling mm-hmm. um, because Mike Harrison is the hero in book one. And then his sister, Natalie, is the heroine of book three, which is the Soldier's Unexpected Family, because I really wanted Jonathan to get his own (laughs) book, because I really wanted Bex to have her book as well. That's Mm -hmm. what made me, I I wanted to spend a little bit more time in in the town. And -hmm. these two characters were just ones that I really, really loved and wanted to have their own happy endings. For anyone who has yet to read a Harlequin heartwarming romance, how would you describe the line to them? I personally love the heartwarmings, but I, I, I think I would start describing it as a romance where a, with a strong sense of community values, where family plays a, a big role in the evolution of the romance. Some have pets, some don't, but I think... In each, the hero and heroine's journey are intertwined with a strong sense of they're not in it alone. There's a, mm-hmm. a community backing them. 
there are some wonderful, I'm a huge fan of the lines. So many of them have uh, recurring series that are set in either the same town or the same state. And they all just the, the strong sense of friendship, community with a thread of hope and an uplifting, wholesome line. For instance, I can, um, I'm the mom of 11 year old twins, and my 11 year old daughter can read this line without. Um, so you said that you uh, you subscribed to Steeple Hill, which then became uh, Love Inspired, to my understanding. Um, so when you started writing, did you know that you wanted to write for um, Heartwarming? Like, did you ever, or will you, would you ever write for Love Inspired? I went to a conference in 2014 in San Antonio, mm-hmm. and that was when Harlequin brought out the launch and, and started talking about to other authors about the heartwarming line and I knew then when they talked about community and a strong family element I really wanted to target that line because even before then my very first book that I I wrote after the twins were born I wrote a book where a professional woman became involved, uh, was in a sort of a he said, she said talk show where she was the professional female side of it. And he was the uh, football coach with a young child. And as much as I wanted to write urban, sophisticated books, romances, pets kept popping up. Kids kept popping up. And so when I heard about this line at the 2014 conference, I knew from then on that I really hoped that someday I would have a book with them. I would love, I mean, I wouldn't say no to Love Inspired, but right now I just, I, I love heartwarming and it's definitely where my heart is right now. They're, they're slightly longer, too. It lets you tell more of that community story with the secondary characters, I feel. And I, I, love, I, I love having the, the grand, you know, either a grandparent in yeah. there and, and being able to explore that family dynamic mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. some sort of secret or, or, or that type of in-depth look at, at different plot lines. Yeah, or the characters themselves. I feel like, especially mm-hmm. with with this one, we wouldn't have gotten some of those emotional hits that that you get if you didn't have the page count to yeah. be able to deliver that. The single dad's holiday match is the romance between two single parents, Brooke and Officer Jonathan Maxwell. Can you share with us how their romance came to you? Well, this was unusual for me in that I, with all of the other books that I've ever written, including all the ones that are under the bed, um, (laughs) I've always had the heroine come to mind first. But when I wrote The Share of Second Chance, just one, and it's all, he's only in the book one line Mm -hmm. about, and um, it's when I got the edits for that book, they're like, you accidentally named two characters with the last name of Maxwell um (laughs) are they supposed to be related and I'm like oh no but but Jonathan Maxwell he's 
staying Officer Maxwell because I have plans for him someday, I hope. <laughs> and little did they. Jonathan actually came to me first. My editor urged me to go back and, and rethink the original proposal I sent. And I'm really, I, I owe a, a round of gratitude. My, I have a wonderful, wonderful editor, Catherine Lye, who um, is just so awesome. And when I started thinking about Jonathan's story more in depth, that's when the cozy mystery element, and not cozy mystery as in like, like you mentioned on Twitter, not a murder or anything, but <laughs> more like Scooby-Doo. There's a, a bad guy in a mask. Yeah. Or all those meddling kids. So it's a very light, hopefully little, you know, lighthearted mm-hmm. uh, mystery. That's when Brooke started to take shape. Um, she's named Brooke Novak because uh, first, for a couple of reasons, number one, my great-grandparents came over from Poland, so I wanted her to have a Polish last name. And when I Googled Polish-American names, Novak was the first one. I'm like, Kim Novak. It's, <laughs> yes. So like I said, that whole classic movie thing. I'm a huge <laughs> Kim Novak fan. So Brooke came to me next. And it's just one of those where when I started thinking about where he would explore where he would have to investigate, that's when the the plotting aspects took over and Brooke Brooke and Jonathan became more and and more formed with each of the elements that came to me about the story. I I was curious when I finished this one if Jonathan was was featured in any of the previous books in the series. And I, I do have a copy of The Share of Second Chance. I haven't I haven't cracked it open yet, but I did. I did kind of flip through the pages to to look and see if Jonathan was in there because I I got curious if if he was uh, you know uh, a character that that if you if I had read the series in order if it mm-hmm. would have that want to have his story. <laughs> he he's only mentioned in one line. He's hired by the for the um, previous sheriff. But he actually has a much bigger role in this in Arranger for the Twins because he and the hero of Arranger for the Twins are cousins. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So um, that and actually Vanessa Maxwell has my favorite line. I know this is probably going to sound weird, but Vanessa, who is totally a supporting character, is, I mean, she's a supporting supporting character in. Arranger for the Twins, but she's got my favorite line in Arranger for the Twins. And this isn't a spoiler alert or anything, but basically she and Caleb and Jonathan are all talking about pancakes and and they and, and she says, YouTube, that's where you learn about everything, including how to make pancakes. So <laughs> that so Jonathan had a one line in the Sheriff's Second Chance, and then he was the He's Caleb. He and Caleb are cousins, and so in Ranger for the Twins, Caleb's parents lose their savings, and Caleb is trying to find it. And when he moves back, Jonathan by then is already more established in Hollydale at that point, and Brooke is totally brand new for mm-hmm. for her book. Although, um, her aunt though make 
Brooks' appearances in other books. Brooks' aunt is another one of my favorite recurring characters. And Brooks' aunt is Mitzi Mayfield, who is the local hairdresser who <laughs> runs a new U hair salon. So, And she is, she is fabulous. And that whole group, the, the mimosas, were, were just great. Thank you. They were so much fun. And Hyacinth is just, oh my word, Hyacinth jumped up off the page for me. I loved writing her. She's also, um, she makes a big appearance in The Soldier's Unexpected Family. So Mm -hmm. for each book in the Hollydale series are standalones and can be read by themselves. But if you read some of them in Earl the earlier ones, the rec- the recurring characters, mm-hmm. and the, those secondary ones have more of a thread because in in the single dad's holiday match, you find out even more about Mitzi's first marriage. Can you talk about what inspired the choice to have both Brooke and Jonathan be single parents? Jonathan, once it, the whole once I thought of him with in Sheriff's Second Chance, I knew he wanted he even then uh i i've heard other authors say well a character really wanted their own book and (laughs) it's one of those things that you hear and you're like oh it'll never happen to me and then like i said he just even that one sentence i really wanted i had plans for him and so i i knew right away he was going to be a widower in the book he is a widower with two daughters and then I, I think I just wanted the dynamic of his two daughters and then her son. And then my, my mom had me very early. Um, my mom was 17 when I was born. So I wanted to sort of pay tribute to moms who are able to make it as single moms. We really enjoyed seeing Brooke and her job at the community center. These are such important resources that offer so much to a community, and it was refreshing to see one be such a big part in a romance. When you began writing Brooke and Jonathan's romance, did you already have the community center in mind? I did do a lot of research on on, um, the layout of other community centers. When Catherine and I were talking about the book and when I started thinking more about what Brooke could bring to Hollydale, why she would mm-hmm. move there, the community center was in mind. So I, I went and started doing research on uh, different facilities, layouts, what type of offerings they had, art, you know, the ones that have, whether they have art classes, ballet classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up doing a hand-drawn layout of what I, I, how I pictured the community center. And it was also, though, it had made a, a very, very small minor appearance in a ranger for the twins. So I had to try to balance out what I'd already written mm-hmm. with a brand new facility concept. Okay, so that's, so I know that with the heartwarming line that in the series that it has, that there's, there's kind of a a central community aspect to it. And this one, it was the community center. What, Mm -hmm. what was it in the, the first three books? Um, Well, in the second book, 
there is a dinner at the Whitley Pavilion. So then when I and Frederick Whitley is sort of a well-off furniture manufacturer who then donate, who is from that town, but has since moved out of the town, but he donates a lot of, of money and helps finance certain aspects of the community center. So I just made it where, or, you know, the Whitley Pavilion then became part of the bigger Whitley Community Center. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Was autumn always the setting for the single dad's holiday match? It was sort of a progression because Sheriff's second chance took place in fall. A ranger for the twins took place in very late winter, very early spring when everything is starting to, it's that in-between time where it's still cold, but there are also hints of spring all around. And then the Soldier's Unexpected Family was a summer book. So I did go into this wanting a fall book. And then because it was fall, I could explore more aspects of Hollydale as a community as far as town events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, autumn just seems to be that, you know, you get festivals more and you get, you know, it, that small town feel is just fall, in my opinion. So a follow-up on that, Heartwarming is one of the few lines that comes out with autumn-themed releases. Do you have any insider theories that you want to share with us on that? What I think what we, uh, a little bit about the festivals, there's, and fall being where Halloween and Thanksgiving being mm-hmm. such a, in, in America, being a big family holiday, uh, one that revolves around um, community and, mm-hmm. and gatherings. But I, I think also the sensory details can be so, I mean, the sensory details are rich any time of year, but with fall, you've got the crunching of the leaves and you have a lot of outdoor possibilities and I know with uh, Alaska and Montana are also two states that are often backdrops so I think that very early fall is the latest you can have a lot of community gatherings before the snow really hits Mm -hmm. in in those books but just the the community aspect of it and just the the freshness of the air, the getting ready for all the, um, Christmas is such a big Mm -hmm. setting for so many Harlequin books and such a fun, fun time for those in a fun setting for Harlequin books. So Mm -hmm. I think there's something exciting about fall with all the, the possibilities about to insert some local flavor and and to really explore the dynamics about, you know, and, and the play on the words falling in love, falling yeah. to a good book, mm-hmm. and falling in love. There's something mm-hmm. magical about you know, the crispness in the air, the aroma of the, the warm apples or pumpkin, mm-hmm. or all, all of those, I think, really tie in very well to the heartwarming line. Agreed. Control is a big theme in this book for Brooke and Jonathan. It's a factor in their careers and at home with their children. 
Was this a decision you made intentionally or was it something that came naturally as the story was written? I think that act came about more accidentally. That okay. one wasn't more intentional. It was for Jonathan. It was more learning to love and live again after mm-hmm. seeing and die. Mm-hmm. And for Brooke, just really wanting, I was trying a little bit more more about just the the sense of home i moved around a lot uh while growing up and just that that sense of coming home of having family and a community around you and i guess in a way then that does make them what jonathan has lacked in being able to control events might make him um, and Brooke both seek to have a little bit more control before they, you know, um, as the book progresses. Mm-hmm. So looking at your backlist, I have to ask, do you love a man in uniform or do the <laughs> stories just lend themselves to having that kind of a hero? Until I read that, I, I, I laughed and I read that question because I hadn't even realized I had done that. Um, I have quite, unfortunately, I, I have quite a few books under the bed. So I've written businessmen or, or business professionals, but, mm-hmm. um, and then I've written furniture repair so carpenters and mm-hmm. football coaches and but i i think though ultimately mike became was able to fly up become a more rounded and layered character mm-hmm. for me and i think that might have translated well and with my voice and i love exploring strong heroines and and how they can be strong in their professions and and create um, a balanced life so i think for uh, with that just the role of a man in uniform because then i thought about i'm like police officer park (laughs) ranger but it's funny because even though aiden is in the military he's a he's on temporary leave so he's always in oxford shirts so i I didn't think of him as much as being in in uniform but he would he really would think of always think of himself as being in uniform Mm -hmm. and then now with jonathan being a police officer i i'm like oh my goodness i do gravitate toward a man in uniform (laughs) I didn't know that. <laughs> now, now, next time you sit down to write, you're going to be going, hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm editing a, yeah, I've got two books that I'm editing right now. So, and both of them are, you know, <laughs> Yeah. That is delightful. Allegedly, you are in a writer's group with some other heartwarming authors. Do you confirm or deny this? And is there anything you can share with us about it? I'm in a writing sisters group with other... I I have, uh, let's see, I have a critique partner who Mm -hmm. is a Harlequin author who is an amazing, amazing author. Can I give a huge shout out for a minute to Janine Engler? Of course. Janine is a new historical writer. Her debut... um, the Highlander Secret Sun just came out and mm. her cover came out today for 
for eloping with Laird. So it's like we're, you know, we're texting each other because she's a teacher. And so it's like, squeeze! <laughs> 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 about the high-pitched noise. Um, so I'm totally excited for Janine. Um, oh, yay. And that, it, it's just now that, and, you know, little did we know in 2013 when we started critiquing each other's work that we would later become critique partners and share in each other's joys with seeing our books both published with Harlequin. Oh, that's um, wonderful. And then I'm, I'm uh, my, uh, and then she and I are also monthly accountability partners. And then I have a weekly accountability author who is a love inspired suspense writer okay. who is extremely talented and, and keeps me on my toes. And, and Cherie Stover writes some wonderful love inspired suspense. Mm-hmm. But, that that's what I know about. You sit down to begin working on your current work in progress. Set the scene for us. Early bird or night owl, what time of day do you feel the most productive when writing? That's an interesting question because I'm not really, I wouldn't consider myself either, but Mm -hmm. I'm a, I do my, I do my best work in the morning. So I would have to say morning owl if I can combine the two (laughs) because I am definitely one of those authors who my kids all say they they go around whispering has mom had her morning tea yet I don't know (laughs) I think so wait is she speaking in whole sentences yet no he hasn't had her tea yet don't bother her Um, so I'm not really what you would call a I don't wake my husband has this incredible ability to wake up instantly. Always envied that. I am a very slow waker upper, but mm-hmm. I do do my best work. I, I, since I've started really getting serious about writing when the twins were in preschool, I've always wor- worked. My sweet spot is anywhere between um, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Okay. But yeah, I'm also one of those people where I should also cut that that warning label. Do not operate heavy machinery after 11 p.m. <laughs> I I I love the writers who can wake up early or stay up late. Yeah. I've I've known, and I always, whenever I'm at a conference or taking workshops, I always go to the organizational ones or time management ones and I but that unfortunately is not my writing style (laughs) are you a plotter or a pantser I am a plotter Uh, if I get off my plot it is a very very scary stream of consciousness book (laughs) I, I learned this early on because with the very first series book category book that I wrote I plotted the whole book halfway through I went off on a tangent and had to like then throw away half the book but Mm -hmm. I'm also even though I'm a plotter I do look at everything at a quarter half three quarters and Mm -hmm. at the very end but plotter yeah if it's a project you've already been working on, do you reread over the previous day's work before beginning? Yes, I do. And uh, someone laughed the other week at, on Instagram because I, I shared that I have sometimes had to actually scrap the entire day's previous work. Oh, my the gosh. Way I, know, I know that 
when I'm writing a first draft, I do keep a spreadsheet of my word count. Mm -hmm. But there are times that it will then say, I'll have a day that says negative 800 words. Because uh, if that night it doesn't, like when I'm walking Linus or Mm -hmm. when I'm doing something and I know that what I wrote wasn't right for the story, Mm -hmm. I, the next morning I reread it and usually I'm like, yeah, that, that wasn't what I, that's not on the page. It's not on the page and I will cut and paste it into another file. Sometimes there will be little nuggets in there, even Mm -hmm. with that. And I might, you know, like then take a sentence or two from it, but I have been known then to go back about two or three days and then go from there. Mm -hmm. Are there any necessities you need around you while writing? Iced tea or hot Mm -hmm. tea or iced tea. I am a, I drink unsweet tea a lot. If it's before 5 p.m. caffeinated, but after 5, um, I <laughs> brew decaf so that, but, um, so definitely something to drink. Um, I also um, got into the habit of writing because my kid's preschool was at the, uh, a little bit too far for me to be able to drive home and then get, be very productive by the time I'd, I'd almost have to like go back. So mm-hmm. I, fortunately, then I can write anywhere so uh, have laptop will travel um i've written at <laughs> airports i've written in doctor's offices i've written oh, wow. pretty much everywhere but um as long as i have my laptop and a usually a glass of iced tea with me i'm i'm good <laughs> awesome that's so funny i actually thought about asking you if you prefer sweetened or unsweetened tea and I stopped myself from putting it in there because I'm like, well, she's from Georgia. She might slap me through the computer screen for just asking that question. Oh, no, but it, it, that is funny because when I went to I went to Denver uh, for a writing conference and on my way back, I was in the in the airport and I, I like I ordered unsweet tea and the person turned on next to me and said, you don't have to specify that here. You're from the South, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, it's just iced tea. I'm like, oh, I always have to say unsweet because I I don't drink sweet tea at all. And they're like, wait, you did say you're from the South? I'm like, yeah, but it's unsweet. It's been unsweet ever since when I was a teenager, I, I decided to try to give up carbonated beverages for a little bit. And mm-hmm. So I went to unsweet tea then. Do you set daily writing goals? Yes, I, I try. <laughs> I have a list of things I would like to get accomplished, but I've learned to become kinder to myself mm-hmm. and if um, make that more of a week. So if I don't get it done, because especially, even though I'm a plotter, the first couple scenes take me a lot longer than when I start getting toward halfway Mm -hmm. and then the scenes Mm -hmm. come a lot easier because I've been thinking about them more so I do have a daily word count I also do keep an a a calendar with list of things I like to do and then I I cross them off Um, one of those I like I said I love going to workshops on on organization or, or time management. One person said, 
if you're some people just love crossing things off and mm -hmm. and I'm one of those. So but like I said, since Sheree and I do weekly accountability, I think I've learned to be a little bit kinder. And if I don't really make my word count goal, I, I know where I need to be. And then, and my reward to myself is if I get everything done, then Sunday is totally family time and folding laundry. Not That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm all about that. I, think so. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm, I, I did get a text from my son today that, you know, he's the one who, who just started college that they have free washers and dryers there. So he was actually doing laundry today. So, you know, <laughs> I'm like, he's got clean clothes. Yay. I, I did Good. something right, maybe. Yay. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I, I become, but I do like to try to make sure that I'm, I motivate myself. But at mm -hmm. the same time, I don't beat myself up as much as I would have a couple years ago if I don't. Yeah need it you log into your computer are there any specific programs you use to write i'm a microsoft word girl <laughs> love it when i plot i usually i used to do all of my plotting by hand now i still do some of it by hand but i i am starting to do a little bit more of it on the computer just to speed things up so, and so i don't have to double entry it mm -hmm. but um microsoft word you find yourself stumped on a scene. Who do you call? What do you do? Linus gets a lot of walks when I'm stumped on a scene. <laughs> oh, boy, she's stumped. And, and yeah, I, I feel like, you know, another warning label maybe should be that when I'm walking in the neighborhood and I'm really stumped and I'm like, you know, sometimes I, I'm not responsible for yelling out, Yay, it came! Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> Yay, it came to me. Or, you know, um, I'm in, I'm, I'm getting edits and I, I have to think about this one scene. And I'm literally on this outdoor patio with mm -hmm. a, a, another woman on her laptop about three tables down. And I'm like, you know, like shouting out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry, not, no. Um, so yeah, Linus gets a lot of walks, and then of course, and um, like I said, Janine is such a help to me. Janine is probably the person I go to, and then but Li and Linus has heard he he knows more about writing, but fortunately his lips are sealed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for some roundout questions. Uh, what is one book you wish you could read again for the first time? Probably Anne of Green Gables, mm -hmm. because although it's been so long now that when I started to read it to Cupcake, not her real name, but um, <laughs> uh, but when I started reading it to her, Miss, the Mrs. Rachel Lind is surprised. Um, that jumped out at me. And I'm, but ironically, my husband, when uh, I watched, he watched the Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman Sherlock before I did. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very late to the Sherlock uh, watching party. I know this is TV and not books, but mm -hmm. when we were watching it, he's like, oh, I wish I was in your chair watching it for the first time. <laughs> and, and he was saying that right. Uh, uh, so spoiler alert, if you have not, 
if you have not seen Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch, I, I think that those that they are incredibly well done. But to give one spoiler alert, there is a, a scene when Moriarty goes, "Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Did you miss me?" <laughs> and that's when he's like, "I really wish I were seeing this for the first time." <laughs> and so ever since then, I've I, I've thought of, I've thought about that more with TV TV shows like when mm-hmm. I'm showing my kids. Uh, my twin something but that's such a great question about books too because there are so many books that I I've kept for so long that are on my keeper shelf because Mm -hmm. I just I I love them I'm a huge read a lot of Agatha Christie when I was in Mm -hmm. ninth and tenth grade and I I went to you know the the used bookstores that my grandmother took me to I Wherever we moved, I would always find the used bookstore. So my Agatha Christie collection is actually the, they all had the 1960s covers and Mm, really yellowed pages because they were usually the, uh, some of their cover prices were 75 cents. And if it's a used bookstore, half of that, well, teenagers can afford 30 cent books. Exactly. If you had the opportunity to live anywhere in the world for a year while writing a book set in the in that location, where would you choose? Probably now. My, my once again to go back to Janine, she writes these incredible Scotland books. So just to mm. be able to see all the castles and the moors, I I'd probably do Scotland. Although I know nothing, I I would not know. It would still have to be a contemporary because. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I got to live somewhere else, probably Scotland. <laughs> She's going from a man in uniform to a man in a kilt. Yeah. Andy Murray, you know, I, I, I love a lot of tennis. So but I've seen Andy Murray. Um, one of my favorite tennis players is Andy Murray and his wedding pictures are him in a kilt. Tell us about one of your under the bed stories, something you've written that will never see the light of day. I wrote um, a book called A Pinch of Cinnamon. And it was all about a baker whose son was a type one diabetic oh wow and she felt uh someone comes to town and wants to hide his identity from her it's sort of like a you've got male meets baker uh, in a baking setting where he wants to open up a rival shop but it's a sandwich shop but it would have all the commercial baked goods and mm-hmm. he doesn't want to tell her who he is at first so that whole identity isn't known yes Paige was very much a character that I love writing what's a romance you've read within the past few years that reminded you of why you love the genre probably Rayanne Thane's Hope Crossing books mm, I they're love love, love Rayanne Thane's books. Mm-hmm. The way she does community, the mountain setting, her writing, her characters. Mm-hmm. She is one of my favorite. I mean, I, I'm i always in her line at conferences to get her books because oh, I'm, nice. I, I'm a fangirl of so many authors. Her ability to write romance and tug at my heartstrings i tugging at my heartstrings is what i i love about romance and Mm -hmm. she does it so well who was your teenage celebrity crush don't know if many people will have heard of him 
But like I said a couple minutes ago, I'm a huge tennis fan. <laughs> so I am a really big Stefan Edberg fan. <laughs> and in the 80s, there was nothing that said male tennis like his mullet. Um, he was a Swedish tennis star. I just, you know, would watch him on a tennis court because he was younger. You know, Cary Grant by that time was in his 80s. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I love him dearly, but Stefan Edberg had my teenage heart. Name one film you'll never stop watching. I've already mentioned Sullivan's Travels. It's probably a, another movie that I probably wouldn't, won't ever stop watching is Shadow of a, a Doubt. It's mm -hmm. Hitchcock. And mm -hmm. I love romantic suspense. This one stars Teresa Wright and Joseph Cotton. And she's a girl named Charlie who adores her uncle Charlie who comes to visit. And through the course of the movie, she starts to wonder if her uncle is really a killer. And especially when an FBI agent played by a very young McDonald Carey, who mm -hmm. my mom was a huge Days of Our Lives fan. Mm -hmm. So everyone else was always talking about Luke and Laura. But for me, Bo and Hope were the <laughs> soap opera couple. Yep. But McDonald Carey, um, when he was older, became the patriarch of Days mm. of Our Lives in a long, long time. I, ha I haven't seen the show since the 80s, so I wouldn't know how uh, what happened to it since then. But he was very, very young in this movie. And Joseph Cotton is just another one of my favorite actors. So mm. what he he's... I love that Joseph Cotton could go from Hero in Gaslight and some of my other favorite movies to he's the villain in, in this Hitchcock. And what he does is just, I, I just love that movie. What is one hill you will wholeheartedly die on? Happiness and hope are, and, and just entertainment should, I, I want to smile and mm -hmm. be happy. Mm -hmm when I leave a movie theater or yes. turn off the TV or do the pages of a uh, close the book. I, I remember mm -hmm. there's a song from the seventies where the line is something like, and I won't read that book again because the end is just too sad to take. And is that from American Pie? No. And I won't read that. Oh, sorry about my bad singing. No, but you're fine. Again, I know my father used to listen to it. That song, I can hear that line. <laughs> if I could put, if I could put time in a bottle. Oh, okay. Time in okay. a bottle. And I remember reading one book when I was a teenager, and I, I thought it was going to be a romance because I'd read an, another thing that the person had written, and it it was about a female president. But her husband, uh, spoiler alert, the husband dies like almost toward the end. And I, I was just totally blindsided by that. I'm like, oh, this whole book, what do you mean he dies? They were perfect for each other. And I'm like, I read this whole book just for him to die. <laughs> and it's funny because I heard you talking the other day about how I met your mother and, and that I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I, I won't watch that series again either because, yep. but my, 
I, I decided when that night when the, it came on, my husband was working and I watched it and he's like, cause I'm like, Oh, I know this is going to be great. So I want to watch it again. I'll be able to watch it twice. Yeah. And he came home and he's like, Oh my gosh, who, who got hurt? Mm-hmm. What, are our twin, are our kids? Okay. I'm like, you don't want to watch that, that ending. Mm-hmm. He's like, huh? And I'm like, you do not want to watch the end. And so he has never seen the ending of how I met your mother. And he's like, no, the, the says spoiler alert, the mom is alive and fine in my yeah. world. <laughs> I know. And the thing is, is like, even now, like it's on syndication, right? So, you know, you'll kick it. And I'm like, I can't even watch an old episode because it's ruined for me because I know how it ends. Yeah. And, and right? she's, that hope and happiness with me. I, yep. I just, I want to leave there. There are enough dark things and enough sadness. I, I just, there's something about an uplifting message yes. that just mm-hmm. uh, resonates with me. It, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm blind to, you know, yeah all of it. It just means that uh, when I want, but for entertainment, I, I love the hope and happiness. What is one of your favorite romance tropes to read? Probably amnesia. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it once again goes back to, you know, when I got to stay home from school. So, you know, being 10 and watching soap operas and game shows. But just the amnesia, I love reading someone trying to regain their identity and find mm-hmm. out who they were and thinking were they married or were they uh did they lose their identity because they were you know something dark in their past um Mm -hmm. and then i also love a good fish out of water trope Mm -hmm. i love that too i i just i i love anything with a you know I, I I love romantic suspense that just has me on the edge of my seat but nothing too gory yes um Not too many details, just enough to keep me turning the pages. (laughs) Cutest thing Linus the Beagle has done today. (laughs) He had his blanket in his mouth and actually he he wanted to be down here (laughs) so badly. (laughs) So at first he was on, we have a beanbag in our living room. And so at first he was on the beanbag hoping I'd, I'd let him just because he he has he's adopted that beanbag as his own personal mm-hmm. space, mm-hmm. so it's not it's the kids find him for it too. But <laughs> um, yeah, so probably wanting to be down here with me, but, and he always he likes to um, he puts blankets in his mouth. Mm-hmm. He just loves the feel of a blanket in his mouth, and all of the blankets are his blankets. So, <laughs> so cute. Uh, can you share with us what you have coming up next? The Paramedics Forever Family will be the my fifth heartwarming, and it's coming out in April of 2022. And if anybody who's read the first couple of chapters of the Single Dad's Holiday Match will have met Joe and Betty Ruddick. And in the very, I think it's the opening chapter Betty talks about her grandson, Mason, who is a paramedic. And Mason is going to be the hero of the next book. And when 
he lives next. This is the girl next door trope because he mm. lives next door to the widow of his former paramedic partner. Awesome. And lastly, where can everyone follow you online? I'm most active probably on Facebook and I have an mm-hmm. author page and I do movie Mondays where uh, I do try to promote classic movies. Although this year I did something a little new. I did by the decades because as much as Cary Grant has my heart, so does Groot. Um, <laughs> I am a huge MCU fan. And so, um, and I love, love, love like Emma, you know, Emma Thompson. And mm-hmm. um, I'm also a big Kenneth Branagh fan. And so I tried this year to do um, every decade, a salute mm-hmm. to uh, each month to a different decade. And so on Facebook, I have Movie Mondays. And then I do Two Cute Tuesdays where I either post a cute animal video or cute picture <laughs> and invite readers or anyone who likes my Facebook page to also post a picture of their their pet. Teaser Thursdays where I'll talk about um, my book mm-hmm. and then reading for the weekend. Um, there I try to talk about whatever I'm reading or um, if a friend of mine has a new book out. And then I'm on Twitter a lot because I'm very visual and words come the easiest to me Mm -hmm. so I'm on Twitter and then I'm also on Instagram but it's hard because I I try not to show my kids on social media very often but my twins are cupcake and chunk um (laughs) and they're I have sixth grade twins and today just even today my sixth grade son was discussing how they're both I was taking them to reading club and he was talking about uh, to his twin sister about how, when she starts, they, they uh, were reading the opposite books. So she's going to start the book he just finished. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I read it in, um, it's an alternating dual narrator um, book. And he read all of the same character. Mm-hmm. And then he read all of the other character. <laughs> and I'm like, I've never heard of anyone reading that that way before. But hey, you're reading, so I you I just yeah. listened in the front part. But my mind was going Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> um, but I also try to make sure um, I'm also on Instagram. Well, thank you everyone for listening today. And of course, thank you, Tanya. And of course, Aaron for joining us. Thank um, you. This thank was you so, much. so much fun. And please join us for, join Bri and I. Hopefully she will have the power back on for our next episode. And we will talk to you, talk to everybody later. Take care, everybody. Bye.